This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. As ever, I'm your host Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Carthus Kloy. Hello. And just a bit of a quick one to be honest for you this week listeners, just a few uh, kind of bits and bobs of news to cover really since uh, we were last in your ears. First of all, thing uh, I think in fact that this may have even happened <laughs> before the last podcast went live. So I'm sure you were well aware of this, but Matt Target obviously got made a permanent signing um, by Newcastle. We activated our option to sign him after his loan move, fifteen million pound capture, and it's just, I mean, what more can we say other than just like just good business? Yeah, I, I think he's fitted in really well to the back four for for Newcastle, and it, and he's proven to be quite a good level-headed and controlling mid, uh, d- defensive back player. Uh, and it's some back. Yeah, left back, sorry. And it's something that Newcastle have really needed. We've known that their defence has been a little bit probably flaky, is the, is the best term. It's been a bit here and there, made up of players who weren't necessarily defenders in the first place. And having Target there has really stabilised that back because he's quite vocal as well. And there's something that we've seen that not only in defence but in set pieces, he's been pivotal in in the last couple of matches that Newcastle have played. So yeah, a good player, good signing. And as I say, you had that lovely option to try before you buy, and uh, yeah. he worked out. So why not? Yeah, and that's the thing. You hit the nail on the head there, um, as you say, because essentially he's replaced. Matt Ritchie as our first choice left back. You know, having, you know, we had Matt Ritchie there for what felt like an absolute eternity. It was probably only about 18 months, something like that. But, you know, Matt Ritchie is not a left back. Mm. He was a winger who was forced there. Some wingers can adapt to that position better than others. I mean, Matt Ritchie works hard, but it just, you know, just, just actually having an actual fit-for-purpose left-back uh, in itself was just a huge upgrade. But then the fact that, as you said, just just so solid. You know, he's Matt Target isn't a player who, um, you know, is going to be knocking on the door of Champions League teams like, say, Kieran Trippier might in terms of his ability. But he's still a really solid mid-table Premier League player. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially the position that we are in. I'm happy for us to sign several players like that. And then, you know, if you've got a team basically full of them, but then you, you've you got a few that just give you that extra bit of quality, like Sam Maximan, like Bruno, like Callum Wilson, you've got a really good foundation for a team there. Yeah, I think that's the main point. It's, it's, it's the consistency for Newcastle, which needs to improve. Newcastle have shown that they have the players that have the flair and potentially have have that little bit of spark but it it's the consistency of the rest of the team that, that, that is the main issue 
you've not had not even mind not even including the fact that they've had um, actual defenders in the back four but you've not had a consist- consistent back four you've not had a consistent midfield uh, whereas the midfield is the place where you've probably had the most talent but it's still not been a steady four players and again with the forwards nothing wrong with Wilson at all but he's, he's just not been consistent due to injury I'm not saying that's anything down to his fault but literally just having the manpower that is steady the same people and that that improves the team as a whole as well if players know where they're meant to be and where they expect other players to be in the end you will start having a team that flows in a much more natural and and progressive way which is something that we see in in, in Man City for instance Um, I'm not saying Newcastle are going to become Man City (laughs) I'm just saying that having the plays where you kind of know where they're going to go and that symbiotic relationship is something that all teams really need to aim for. And that's what we started to see at the end of the season. Not 100% firing on cylinders, but close enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, all round, just a strong start. An obvious one, but a strong start to the, the summer business. Um, speaking of which, the other thing that also seemed to happen basically right after we finished recording last time um, so again, this this happened a little while ago, but Isaac Hayden heading to Norwich on loan for the season. Um, obviously, he didn't feature for us in the second half of last season due to injury, so he was left out of the squad. Um, and again, you know, I, Isaac Hayden, he's not a bad player at all. He, he's been, a, a, I think at, at times, he's been quite decent for us, but at the same time, you know, how much game time would he have got for us next season? I think that's your most competitive role as well, being being in midfield. And as you say, like Hayden's been good, but is he as good as some of the other players that you've got at the moment? He, he filled he filled that gap when it was needed, and he did so admirably. But I, I think to get him the game time, he really did need to go out and load it. And as you say, it, if that works and he does really well, then there's always the option that Newcastle can recall him. And if not he gets that opportunity to show what he's worth to other teams that maybe want to buy him. So Exactly. I mean, it's difficult for Hayden, I guess, on a personal level. Um, but I mean, no one wants to go to Norwich. But. <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, he's got an opportunity, hasn't he, there? To, to, as oh, you yeah, say, no, to, he, he can be a key player for them in the championship, absolutely. Yeah. And like, like I said, in terms of the competitiveness in our midfield, I mean, obviously... When you think of obviously Joelinton essentially converting into a midfielder, then you've got the arrival of Bruno, and who knows, we may or may not sign any more midfielders this, but, I mean, this even, summer as even well. Even if so not, it's... you've got Shelby, you've got Willock, you've got um, you got a whole bunch to be honest. Midfielders, it's your strongest. Yeah, we've got the. Uh, we've got it's your best field. And... It's your best field um, place on on the whole pitch. To be honest. If he was a striker, then yeah, he'd be desperate to keep hold of him. But I think at the moment, unfortunately for Hayden, he's just not quite required. You don't need to, the extra body to fill in the gaps at this point in time. I mean, don't get me wrong, Newcastle will probably get everybody injured very quickly <laughs> and, and we'll have to recall him. But I think at this point, him going to the Championship, probably the best. And of course, by heading to Norwich and uh, leaving Newcastle for the season... He won't get to wear the new kit. Okay. Um, so, new kit got launched as well um, the other day. Thoughts, Cara? I mean, 
It looks exactly the same as your other kit. There's nothing else I can say. I mean, you've got the rounded neck. I kind of wish there was a V. And I, I do kind of like the old style of having a bit of a collar. I do like that. Otherwise, yeah, it is, it's, it's a bog-standard kit. It's nice that you've got more than one stripe down the middle because that did annoy me. I think that's the thing for me. It's it's a very simple design, but I feel like it's a, also a fairly sort of classy one um, within the confines of it's this black and white striped shirt i mean i'm not gonna jump um, for joy and scream oh my god i need to get one because it just looks like it, no i mean we've, every we've other had, kit of newcastle we've yeah. had better kits we've had worse I, I overall i think overall it's it's a pretty decent one um i mean not that i, I didn't necessarily dislike last season's kit that much really but as you say with that kind of like central stripe and then with the but with the, like the white sort of collar thing that kind of made it just look like a number four on their chest and it was all a bit strange um i think this one is the better one overall i do kind of agree with you about the collar actually i don't mind just the round neck i think that looks fine but also sometimes i think it can look really smart with a v-neck or, I really, or as I say, an actual sort of collar as i well. really like the classic looking kits not necessarily the massive bagginess or the shine but that style with the collar I just think it looks really smart. Can still be modernised in 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 a way that looks really in keeping. But yeah, nothing wrong with it. I mean, Newcastle have had some absolutely dreadful kits, and this isn't one of them. So I suppose we can all be grateful that this is not a trash kit. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I feel like we haven't had too many bad first team kits. We've had some pretty shocking uh, away kits, some dodgy colour choices and combinations. Off the top of my head, I struggle to recall um, a first team kit that I like really dislike or anything. Um, but certainly, yeah, there's it's on a, it's all on sort of spectrum of better and worse. I think this is uh, it's not bad actually. This one, um, not bad at all. I mean, you don't have the Saudi Arabian flag on the front, so I suppose that's a bonus. Yeah, again, speaking of atrocious away kits, um. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be um, running out in next season, and we will be displaying it for the first time in the Premier League next season at home to Nottingham Forest on the opening day of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited about that fixture actually. Um, I think I think a lot of fans, it, us included, were looking forward to Forest being back in the league. I mean, not me, but there we go. Well, I, sorry, I just realised. Yeah, I'm sort of speaking for you as a Leicester fan. I mean, we actually get Derby, other than Derby not being there, which I feel, I feel slightly disappointed by. Um, it took me far too long to realise that a local Derby didn't mean that someone was playing against Derby. Um, it was very confusing for a young mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, you'd be very disappointed. It's a bit of a dodgy one because Newcastle are going to be very disappointed if Nottingham Forest come away with a point on this first day of the season and it it's going to very much depend on how Newcastle are feeling and how Nottingham Forest are feeling I, I feel it because it's the first game of the season it could be very much hit or miss and I mean, could, yeah. could influence the next couple of games I mean yes you, you've got a point it, it, it is, oh we always it have is a one. point <laughs> It is one that obviously we're going to be expecting to win against, you know, at home to a newly promoted side on the opening day of the season. All day of the week, you expect to win that. It's going to be an interesting one to see 
where Forest are at because again I speak for a lot of non-Leicester fans I think when I say that I think a lot of people will be rooting for them to stay up as well next season I'd be happy that they're back but also kind of hoping they can actually stick around for a bit I do feel Forest have been away from the Premier League for too long not necessarily saying that I want them to win everything <laughs> but it, they do feel like a team that should have been in the Premier League they've got that history yeah exactly but like I say overall though a home to a promoted side in the open day you really can't ask for much more than that so I'm I'm really pleased with that and I just I just think it's kind of cool that we get to be the first ones to see to watch to, Forest to play, to play against Forest <laughs> thank you but you know we get to be the first ones to play against the team that everyone kind of wanted to come up last season like I'm, I'm, I'm just. I think that's quite cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I just think it could potentially be quite a dangerous one, being being one that obviously, as you just said, you're expected to win. If you don't win, could that be a bit of a morale damper, Freddie, for the next couple of matches? But you know, overall though, your, your fixtures aren't too bad. You don't really face the big six in consecutive matches throughout the season. So there's no runs of games where you feel like, poo, not going to win anything here. Yeah, honestly, and I know this is rare for me, listeners. <laughs> I'm really positive on the fixtures, actually. Um, walking through them, like you say, be- because of, yeah, there's no, like, w- when you think about last season, when you look at our traditionally awful Christmas, <laughs> where we had, like, City, Liverpool, United, all in consecutive matches, like, really quite difficult period. You look at the end of the season... Obviously, thankfully, we we actually went into it in good form. But again, we had like, you know, our last four games was like City. So it was like Liverpool, City, Arsenal, away at Burnley. Yeah. You know, the fact that we don't have runs like that, where you, like you say, you wonder like, God, where is the next point going to come from? Um, at least as things are currently scheduled, obviously some stuff might get moved around um, once like cup games and, and European games um, start affecting the fixture list. But... Yeah, honestly, I I thought it was a really encouraging one. Um, I mean, obviously, last that the last game is away at Chelsea, so obviously that's one where you've got to hope that we're not desperate for points on that day. I mean, hopefully we're not in the survival relegation battle. Yeah, but I think, I anyway. think that's, that's the point. I think as long as you're not in a situation where that is pivotal, which I can't really see happening as long as you play at a minimum to the standard that we saw in the latter half of the season. Yeah. I can't see that being the case, but, you know, I suppose you're used to thinking of the worst case scenario. Yeah, playing Chelsea away at the last game probably isn't the best thing, but again, hopefully that won't be an issue. Yeah, and like I say, it's, it's better than last season's end where, again, yeah, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, away at Burnley, you know, it's, you know, a tough match, but, we've got plenty of opportunities before then to get the points if we're in such a position where we're really desperately fighting for something. I mean, hopefully it might be that we're fighting um, for something, you know, maybe in the top half or, or something like that, but uh, probably getting ahead of myself there. Huh. Um, and also Boxing Day, obviously one of the first fixtures that everyone checks when the, the calendar comes out. Not an easy one away at Leicester. Uh, the Chris Carr derby returns, but... I'm just glad that we don't have Man City or Man United because I swear we always seem to play them on Boxing Day. Um, I mean, I'm not really looking forward to this season because we have not been great 
And I feel that Brendan Rodgers has probably got away with more than what some of our other managers who have disappeared. I mean, I, th- I think he's I think he's earned that though with the FA Cup win, with the you know consistently finishing, um, you know, in the top half, top sort of. You say six. that, but Claudio Ranieri won the fucking Premier League and then didn't maybe do so well for the first couple of matches, and then he vanished. No, I know. So... And to be honest, I, no, and I accept your point, and I think it was a shame the way it ended for Claudio. But to be fair, you probably were going to get relegated if they hadn't have made that change. Whereas last season, again, I know it was a weird season. I know there was a lot to be unhappy with, but at the same time, you you take that step back and also look at the end result of European semi final and a top half finish. Like I said, there there is a lot to be unhappy about for Leicester fans last season, but at the same time, when you try and just take that slightly wider perspective, I have a feeling that if this was Brucey, you'd be all for getting him fired. So I think if it... Brucey ever got us to a European semi final and won the <laughs> FA Cup, I'd I'd have changed yes, my tune but, on him. But you um, have to admit, the squad that Leicester had, even though diminished and depleted by injuries and and African Cup of Nations, which I am all for players going for, but. I think Leicester was specifically hit by that that mid-season. I feel that Leicester probably should have been doing better than they did. No, I I agree agree with that. But at the same time, I I don't think Brendan Rodgers necessarily got away with anything. I don't think you were ever bad enough that his job should have been on the line, like I say, in a way that Ranieri's was. Again, I thought it was a complete shame what happened with Ranieri and, and obviously the fact that he didn't get to uh, he didn't get to see out the end of that Champions League campaign. But at the same time, I can more understand despite what he had achieved. Obviously, the league is obviously even bigger than obviously winning the FA Cup, but there was more at stake in terms of, like I say, Leicester were kind of heading towards relegation that season. So, you know what I mean. I don't think Brendan Rodgers necessarily got away with anything. That said. Obviously, what you're going to want to see next season is that significant improvement because, like I say, when you take that step back, it doesn't look like that bad a season. But at the same time, when you actually look at, when you do actually zoom in a bit, there was a lot that... A lot wrong. Yeah, and, and obviously Rogers does obviously bear um, a fair amount of responsibility for that. Um, but personally, I, I don't think he got away with anything necessarily. But um, like I said, I'm, I think it could be right actually really quite a fascinating sort of mid-table battle um, next season. Obviously, I feel like that's not, it's not often you can necessarily say that, but you've got to think Leicester are going to be there or thereabouts. Again, for you to not have a great season and still finish ninth still shows that you've still got that certain baseline of quality there. And obviously, you would hope to improve both in terms of you know, making a few signings and just hope to improve... You know, resolving some of those defensive issues that let you down, all that sort of stuff. So you've got yeah, yeah, you've got Leicester, to, you've got West Ham. You have to remember you've possibly that Leicester, got Newcastle. But Leicester have become a bit of a feeder club. We make really good players, we sign them for cheap. Bigger clubs come in and, and, and poach them I mean, for ridiculous ag- amounts of money. Again, that that is just for any club of of that level. Again, whether it is, uh, I mean, obviously Newcastle, we're now a weird scenario but in the coming years we could still be that but you look at a Leicester a West Ham and Everton um, you know maybe an Aston Villa or a Wolves that is essentially the role that all of them play there's no 
it's a shame that it has to work that way, but it's no like um, shame on Wester's part that that kind of happens because it's the same at literally every club of the same stature. Um, but I, you're still at the upper end of that because in recent years you have at least been able to offer some European football. See, it's a shame that you've been missing out on the Champions League. But again, the competition at that end of the table is so stiff. But like I say, I think um, when you look at the teams that could be there or thereabouts in, in the middle of um, the table next season, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Everton do. I mean, well. will it? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it will be interesting because we finally actually get to judge Frank Lampard and his abilities as a manager because, well, he, he just kept them up by the skin of their teeth, didn't cover himself in glory. And then it was kind of, it was somewhat difficult to kind of really judge him on the Chelsea situation because he, he came in in a sort of weird situation with the transfer ban and all that other stuff. So next season, I think it is going to be quite interesting at Everton seeing what he can actually do you know no excuses you know he can't say oh I took over halfway through the season and you know they were struggling this is Lampard's time this is where we get to see if he's actually any good or not so I think that could be interesting and then like you say you've got maybe your Leicester West Ham's Newcastle's maybe even Aston Villa maybe Wolves maybe even Brighton maybe even Palace like a whole bunch of teams not all of them I'm sure some of them you know aren't aren't gonna all be there um, by definition but it's. I think it might actually be a bit more interesting than normal because it's. It's not something you can normally say about mi- the middle of the table. But I think it is going to be an interesting one there next season, and hopefully Newcastle are part of that conversation and not the. Relegation. Let's just see who can stay up. Conversation. Um, uh, to that end, obviously we are going to need to uh, make some more signings now. No more transfer news to discuss uh, in terms of concrete stuff. Uh, as we said, targets signed. Uh, Hayden's gone. Um, but there have been a lot of rumours recently. We, we don't deal with rumours too much on the pod because, again, I feel like we end up wasting so much time talking about people we never end up signing. It's like wishful thinking. It's like shopping when you're hungry. Yeah, exactly. So, like, um, I am. I mean, I am going to specifically name these just because I'm sure, again, if you've been following it, listeners, you've probably heard the names Hugo Ekatike and uh, Sven Botman, a ream striker and a, and a real defender that we've been very heavily linked with so far this summer. The only reason I actually bring them up is because I think it just speaks to a slightly wider issue that we're going to increasingly see, and we've already kind of seen in January, which the impression I'm kind of getting uh, with these deals and why we're not able to complete them as quickly as we would like is that somewhat predictably, and as we sort of saw in January, because of obviously everyone knows who we're now owned by, everyone knows our financial situation, the second we we make an inquiry about a player, you know, the club just jack their prices up by uh, you know, ten, twenty, thirty million. And it's that is gonna be the big challenge of this summer is actually trying to get past that. Because yes, technically we have the money. So in in a sense, oh well, what's another ten million? Like, yeah, we can afford it now. But obviously at the same time, if you do start giving into that then everyone is absolutely going to do it and you, you're never kind of going to get away from being being taken advantage of. And obviously just the other more practical thing is that, you know, the more we overspend on players now, especially players who, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure are good players, but they're not going to be like the top players that get us Champions League football and trophies and all the, all the rest of it, is you then very quickly eat up 
you know that that FFP cushion that we've got. So again, it's it's going to be an interesting one. It's it's going to be tricky, and that's going to be our big challenge this summer, because obviously we still need you know three, four, five players. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be tricky. Yeah, I mean, you've kind of talked about everything at the moment. I mean, January transfer was very good. Managed to get those players in, as we've talked about numerous times, that have the experience and I suppose the level-headedness required to improve the the, the positions of everybody in that position. So Trippier for, for the defence, I know he didn't manage to play for as long as we hoped because of his injury. And, and I'll kind of ignore Wood for now, but obviously Jolington was already kind of doing the job, but with, with Bruno coming into that midfield as well, added a completely different dimension and yeah, I suppose the only one that was really kind of disappointing for for Newcastle was Chris Wood. But, you know, Newcastle have shown that they can make those wise and not snap decisions to sign mm. a player based on, I suppose, immediate impact. And, and it's more the players that will improve the team as a whole, not as an individual. Which is a slippery slope, I, I, I think... It could have very easily gone the other way. As we've seen with Everton, and to an extent, I suppose, with Manchester United as well, signing a player for their personality, um, not necessarily their, their uh, ability to play as a team. I think, you know, you've got Dan Ashworth at the moment with signing, so hopefully that you'll have just as good a summer as you had in January, but... You know, there's obviously inherent pitfalls, not just with the amount of money that Newcastle have at the moment, but the amount of places that really Newcastle are required to fill and the depth that is needed to be developed, really. You don't have the youth team there that can help as an emergency backfill and you don't really have any players on loan necessarily. There's maybe one or two that can come back and, and help the first team purely because there hasn't really been a huge drive in the development of, of a Newcastle first team player. So I'm sure we've said it in a previous podcast as well, but that also needs to be developed along with the transfers and along with the depth that, you know, everyone's really going to need to bring in to, to, to help the squad next season. But I mean... I think my main concern is with the World Cup being at its wonderfully awkward time. There's going to be more injuries for, for every team in the Premier League, which could really, really open it up for some of the other teams like Nottingham Forest, whose players potentially will have a much longer time for rest at that crucial crucial point in the season. So, you know, it, depth is really something that Newcastle need to start thinking about at this point in time. Yeah, actually, that that's an interesting point about the World Cup that I hadn't even really considered, but that is going to have quite an impact on the shape of the season, like you say, because all the top teams, they're going to lose all their players for that month. Obviously, the fixtures are going to pause, but yeah, it gives some of those a bit further down the table more chance, as you say, to kind of just rest their players, get any injured players back. They're, again, the top players at the top teams, they've got a chance of getting injured while they're away, all this sort of stuff. So yeah, that's actually going to be quite a fascinating one um, in terms of that. And as you say, 
the stuff, with, yeah, with um, our recruitment in January and the fact that we've got Dan Ashworth on board now helping out with the recruitment. Like I said, this is going to be a challenge with, um, you know, the new way that we're obviously approaching the transfer market and the way, well, more importantly, the way that clubs are responding to us because of all this money. But I'm actually quite positive about our chances of having a decent summer, whatever happens, because we've kind of shown that we could do it in January in, in what is generally a more difficult window as well. Um, so I wanted to kind of acknowledge the challenge, but at the same time, I'm quite I'm I'm quietly confident that actually we can it's one that we can deal with. Well that doesn't get said very often, listeners. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But um hopefully next time we're uh, we're back we'll have more signings to talk about, especially because by the time the next pod comes out, uh, there will only be about a month left until the start of uh, next season. So obviously the transfer window is gonna be open till uh, end of August, so there's still plenty of time to get deals done. But obviously anyone you can get through the door in time for pre-season is always better, obviously. When does the next season start then? 6th of August. Or, is well, that earlier than normal? Yes, because, yeah, of, the, um, so, because yeah. of the World Cup. Well, technically, Arsenal kick it off on the 5th, which is a Friday. Um, mm. But for everyone else, it's the 6th and 7th. But um, but yeah, so like I say, we want, you want to try and have as many people in place as you can before then, ideally. So yeah, hopefully we'll have more to talk about then. But in the meantime... If you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. We've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.